Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, on our last podcast, I discussed the fire burning in the cargo hold of the Judea. Now, that uh, very uh, famous ship labored on, and Marlowe assures us that the serious problem was still just another easily tackled problem for the vigor of his youth. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. Well, for today's program, what I want to do is I want to show you the absurdity of that thinking and the potential follies bound in the thinking of youth. Now, to help me do this today, in the studio with me is my sweet wife, Deborah. Welcome back, dear. Thank you. It's good to be here again. She's been out there babysitting and doing all the things grandmothers should be doing. And also with me here in the studio is my teaching assistant, Gabe. Welcome back, Gabe. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. And also, the silent partner in the studio is here, too. We have uh, Parker, who is our... Uh, producer, and he's always here to back us up and make sure all this gets recorded right. So, uh, actually, Parker's going to be coming in on the radio with our next uh, sessions on the uh, Heart of Darkness, so you'll get to hear Parker then. I was just going to start out today by uh, talking of something that I noticed, uh, you know, getting ready for the program. And uh, here we are in the middle of the story. Um, the the when we left the program last time, uh, you know, all the young guys on the ship believed the fire was out, and uh, you know, they uh, they were really kind of proud of themselves. And I th- I think what I noticed here is like Marlowe and I guess the boys as he calls them, I get the feeling that they began to begin to compare themselves with the old guys, and. Uh, I think this this begins to reveal the absurdity of their youth. Now, I experience this all the time in the classroom with students. You know, they, uh, they you know, being young, them being young, and me being old. Sometimes, you know, you can just sense this, you know, going on in the classroom. But uh, I want to just maybe just start reading just to to, uh, to hit this off a little bit and, and get it going. Is uh, uh, this is on my page 22. Now I know everybody out there probably has a different book, so so it's it's uh, it's not going to help us any. Uh, but y- you can find this. Um, what 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 is really kind of interesting there? He he talks about what what he thinks they had gotten done. Actually, it's not page 22. It's page 21. He says, then, behold, the smoke suddenly decreased. We redoubled our efforts to flood the bottom of the ship. In two days, there was no smoke at all. Everybody was on the broad grin. In other words, everybody so happy with themselves. He says, this was on a Friday. On Saturday, no work. But sailing the ship, of course, was done. The men washed their clothes and their faces for the first time in a fortnight and had a special dinner given them. They spoke of spontaneous combustion with contempt. <laughs> and implied that they were the boys to put out the combustions. So notice he uses this expression, the boys. So it's, it's the young guys. And so they're so proud of themselves. 
He says, uh, but a beastly smell of burning hung about the ship. Now notice the change. It says, Captain Beard had hollow eyes and sunken cheeks. I had never noticed so much before about how twisted and bowed he was. He and man prowled soberly about the hatches and ventilators, sniffing. And so, so if you can get this scene in your mind, all you listeners out there is like, you know, all the boys or the young men on the ship are giving themselves high fives because they think it's all done. And then here you have the two old guys going around the ship. They're still sniffing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I still, I, I still smell smoke. So, but notice what he says there. It struck me suddenly. Poor man was a very, very old chap. As to me, I was pleased and proud as though I had helped to win a great naval battle. Oh, youth. All right, so let's let's use that as our beginning talking point. So someone grab a mic and tell me what you think of all that. Well, it is it is funny. There's the, uh, the uh, comparison about the men. You know, he was a very old chap. You know, man was all of a sudden. Meanwhile... They were, he was, he says, I was as pleased and proud as though I had helped to win a great naval battle. Oh, youth. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just really funny that he's, there's a contrast there that about, um, you know, being that, and, and meanwhile, it's actually pretty absurd because we know that um, what's going to happen next. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So, okay, Gabe, what do you think here? Uh, I think it's just interesting how. They're all just <laughs> congratulating themselves over this, but they haven't even really put out the entire fire. Right. It's, it's still going on down there, and it's also just somewhat absurd. At uh, Earlier in the story, they were all fighting, trying to get all this water out of the ship, and now all of a sudden they have a fire, and they have to try to put water into the ship to put out the fire. <laughs> so I just think that's a little bit ironic for what's yes. going on here. Yes. So, so the, 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 again, we, we want to see, as I brought out last time, there is a certain thing about youth that is exhilarating where, where you're willing to take on a challenge. Um, but, but the thing is, sometimes a youth can be really delusional <laughs> about what they can really accomplish. And uh, uh, here they're fighting. They're really fighting something that's it's really disastrous. He goes on to say, this is Marlowe, he says, the night was fine. In the morning, a homeward-bound ship passed us hauled down the first we had seen for months, but we were nearing the land at last, Java Head being about 190 miles off and nearly due north. And so, so they, he was really thinking, okay, I'm really getting what I want now. I'm, I'm almost to the east. Remember, this is the big drive. He's, he's got to get to the east, and so far the, the Judea has just been like his, uh, you know, it, it's like his, this is his passage to the east, and it's so wonderful, and she's so wonderful. He said, next day, it was my watch on deck from 8 to 12. At breakfast, the captain observed, it's wonderful how that smell hangs about the cabin. <laughs> now, <laughs> again, the, 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 the captain can still smell the smoke. He said, about, the ten, about 10, the mate being on the poop, I stepped down on the main deck for a moment. The carpenter's bench stood abaft and uh, the mainmast. I leaned against it, sucking at my pipe, and the carpenter, a young chap, came to me. He remarked, and, and this is really uh, another really important line. I think we have done very well, haven't we? And so they're all still complimenting themselves. But notice Marlowe all of a sudden he begins to wake up. He says, then I perceive with annoyance the fool was trying to tilt the bench. I said curtly, don't chips, and immediately became aware of a queer sensation of an absurd delusion. 
And so, so here's a, here's where I think Conrad is introducing the, this uh, whole idea about youth is is uh, you know you can be really strong, you can be really capable, but oftentimes youth gets into these absurd delusions. And uh, there is some. I mean, I remember back to you know when I was young. You know, you just think you can get out there and get it done, and then. <laughs> Sometimes it just you just walk into disaster after disaster. He said, I seem somehow to be in the air. I heard all around me like a pent-up breath released, as if a thousand giants simultaneously said, Foo! <laughs> and felt a dull concussion which made my ribs ache suddenly. So, so essentially, we know what happens is there's an explosion below. And so everybody was so, so happy of, of, well, about that they had had this big naval battle. But the captain and uh, the second mate knew what was going on. All right. I'm going to open it back up now. Go ahead, Gabe. Okay. Well, this just kind of reminds me of, like, sometimes you see those videos of athletes that celebrate too early right before they think <laughs> they've won. But then all of a sudden, like, one of their competitors comes running right behind them and just steals it for, from them. And I think it's just, you know, getting a little too cocky ahead of time before you've actually finished the entire uh, job and you know that can actually lead to some uh, somewhat depressing uh, results in the end. Yeah, there's been some marathon runners that thought they were done, <laughs> and then they weren't done, and uh, especially the ones that have to run around, I guess, a track after the, at the very end of the race, you know. And so, uh, so then they lost. So that's really embarrassing when that happens. So, uh, so, so there are some some delusions with work. I mean, with uh, with youth. And sometimes when the way youth want to work things out, it just doesn't work out. It says, um, uh, you know, so, so, so there he ends up, and, and I still think he doesn't realize exactly what happened to him. And, and then I think there is really a, a comedic part to this. Um, if you just, uh, I'll just keep going down, going down my page. It's page 22. He, he, he talks about the coal dust. He said, the coal dust suspended in the air of the hold had glowed dull red at the moment of the explosion. In the twinkling of an eye, and if, uh, you know, we do know that, uh, that Conrad did read his Bible, that's like a, taken right out of the book of Corinthians. In the twinkling of an eye, an infinitesimal fraction of a second since the first hit of the bench, I was sprawling full length on the cargo. I picked myself up and scrambled out. It was quick like a rebound. So again, here he's saying, well, yeah, you know, I, I just went through this explosion, but eh, now there's this big rebound. I can rebound. I can jump right back out of this. He says, I picked myself up, scrambled out. It was a quick like rebound. The deck was a wilderness of smashed timber, lying crosswise like trees in a wood after a hurricane, and an immense curtain of solid rags waved gently before me. It was the mainsail, blown to strips. I thought the mast would be toppling over directly, and to get out of the way, bolted on all fours towards the poop ladder. The first person I saw was man, with eyes like saucers, his mouth open and a long white hair standing straight on end uh, around his head like a silver halo. And so, so it's almost like he's painting him like this guy is like <laughs> dead and gone to heaven. <laughs> you know, he's got this halo around his head. It says, uh, he was just about to go down when the sight of the main deck stirring, heaving up and changing, changing into splinters before his eyes petrified him on the top step. I stared at him in unbelief, and he stared at me with a queer kind of shocked curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is, this is uh, the humorous part. 
He says, again, now this is the guy that's really big on his youth. He's really big on his strength. He said, I did not know that I had no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, that my mustache was burnt. No, that my young mustache was burnt off, that my face was black, one cheek laid open, my nose cut, and my chin bleeding. I had lost my cap, one of my slippers, and my shirt was torn to rags. Of all this, I was not aware. I was amazed to see the ship still afloat, the poop deck whole, and most of all, to see anybody alive. Also, the peace of the sky and the serenity of the sea were distinctly surprising. I suppose I expected to see them convulsed with horror past the bottle. And so, so uh, this is Marlowe at an old age, or at least, I, I don't know, I guess at the time of Conrad, maybe 40 was considered old age. But uh, you're still pretty young in your early 40s. And so, uh, so what do you think? I, I just like the way he, he describes them. His descriptions are amazing. You can really see the, you can really picture what he's saying. And then the contrast with the beauty of the, the sky and the sea, which is, you know, at this point is calm. The sea is actually calm when this happens. And, the, and it says, you know, that the, the sky was beautiful and everything <laughs> in contrast to what just happened. So um, I think that's just really interesting right. when he does that. <laughs> All right. So, Gabe, any comments here? I like the way he describes just, like, the whole shit blowing up. Like, you, we all know those, like, examples of, like, when you see your life flash before your eyes, everything slows way down. And that's kind of what Conrad does here with Marlo in this one portion where uh, Marlo's um, explaining what happened with the ship. And you can see he just, uh, see, he says here, he's says, but as sure as it was, I had the time to think several thoughts, and as far as I can remember the following order, this can't be the carpenter. What is it? Some accident? Submarine? Volcano? Coals? Gas? We are being blown up. Everybody's dead. I'm falling into the afterhatch. I see fire in it. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So so I, I think that, I'm glad you brought that up, because I think it shows the both extremes of youth. You know, in other words, you can think you're so tough, you know, and but then your imagination could go wild. And, uh, you know, like where he says about, you know, this is this a volcano, is this this, is this that, you know. And so, so that's the, uh, the, the uh, you know, the youthful mind can go from one extreme to another really quickly. And so, uh, you know, he, he goes over uh, on the next page. And I think this is, again, where I want to get back to the idea of, of um, you know, sometimes the youth, you know, the, they, they can forget that they have absurd thinking sometimes. And then when he's now uh, meets the captain, uh, it's almost like he's trying to, or, or uh, you know, Marlo is trying to let us know, that, hey, the captain kind of went mad here. But, but actually, it's, uh, it's the other way around, that, that he actually is, is uh, you know, kind of saying, he says, presently I saw the captain and he was mad. Now you could think about it, it's either he's angry mad he doesn't really tell us, you know, or is he insane mad? He said, he asked me eagerly, where's the cabin table? And to hear such a question was a frightful shock. I had just been blown up, you understand, and vibrated with that experience. I wasn't quite sure whether I was alive. Man began to stamp with both feet and yell at him. He said, don't you see the deck's blown out of her? I found my voice and stammered out of, out as if conscious of some gross neglect of duty. I don't know where the cabin table is. I, it was like an absurd dream. 
And so, so he's, he, I guess he's really trying to say that the captain's mad. And he goes on to say, do you know what, ha- what he wanted next? Well, he wanted to trim the yards very placidly. And as if I thought, lost in thought, he insisted on having the foreyard squared. I don't know if there's anybody alive, said man, almost tearfully. Surely, he said gently, there will be enough left to square the foreyard. And so, so if you don't read on, uh, say with some, uh, with meditating on what's happening, essentially, the the uh, his view of the captain is not really accurate. The captain wasn't mad because the ship was now off course. It wasn't going in the right direction. It wasn't going towards Bangkok. It was now, I mean, the explosion had you know turned it around somewhat. Uh, he goes on to say, The old chap, it seems, was in his own berth, winding up the chronometers. When the shock sent him spinning, it immediately occurred to him, as he said afterwards, that the ship had struck something and ran out into the cabin. There he saw the cabin table had vanished somewhere. The deck being blown up, it had fallen down into the lazarette, of course, and that was just in a storage area on the ship. He says, Where we had our breakfast that morning, he saw only a great hole in the floor. This appeared to him so awfully mysterious and impressed him so immensely that what he saw and heard after he got on deck were mere trifles in comparison. And so so he goes on to show what the captain then, it's kind of like all the young guys who were so proud of themselves are all in shock. And essentially what, it, what uh, we find out here is that the captain went and he took over the wheel of the ship. And uh, it's like it's like the ship had been deserted and was now on its own. He said his only thought was to get that miserable, stripped, undecked, smoldering shell of a ship back again with her head pointing at her port of destination, Bangkok. That's what he was after. I tell you, this quiet, bowed, bandy-legged, almost deformed little man was immense in the singleness of his idea and in his placid ignorance of our agitation. He motioned us forward with a commanding gesture and went to take the wheel himself. So, so I think there, and, you know, Marlowe is, uh, you know, giving us something to think about. And, and again, we ought to see Marlowe as Conrad. I think Conrad is really helping us to see that, you know, there is this absurdity to youth. And it's like they're, they're all more concerned about themselves and their well-being. But what is... What is Beard concerned with? He's concerned with what finishing his mission. Yes, it, it shows the there is wisdom with experience and and being older. So you know the youth, youth have the energy and the excitement, but you need the uh, the wisdom and experience of of older people. And so he yes. he showed that there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I try and tell my classes that all the time. <laughs> you need the experience of older people. <laughs> yes. So, so you know, I think that's really good to say that, you know, Captain uh, Beard could have seemed insane, but actually he's the only sane one at this point, <laughs> you know, in the ship. So, so sometimes, uh, you know, youth have to agree that, uh, uh, you know, old people can be helpful, even though we may not have the muscle, uh, the physical muscles anymore. All right. So, so in, in, in some ways, too, I think it's really important that to see here the change in Marlowe is, is he begins to see, oh, wow, this is really going to be a challenge now. And he says there, yes, that was the first thing we did, trim the yards of that wreck. Notice he's not, he's not so, um, what, 
praiseworthy, giving a lot of praise to the Judea. Now she's a wreck. No one was killed or even disabled, but everyone was more or less hurt. You should have seen them. Some were in rags with black faces like coal heavers, like sweeps, and had bullet heads that seemed closely cropped. In other words, they had no more hair left. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but were in fact sins to the skin. Others, the watch below, awakened by being shot out from their collapsing bunks, shivered incessantly, and uh, kept on groaning even as we went about our work. But if they all worked, excuse me, but they all worked, that crew of Liverpool hard cases in them, the right stuff. It is my experience they always have. So, so I think this shows Conrad's deep affection for you know the the seagoing men of England, and uh, he, he's he's really praising them there. He says uh, it is the sea that gives it the vastness, the loneliness surrounding their dark, stolid souls. So, so they really do learn a lot from the sea. And if you talk to a lot of the men in England, all of them really love the sea. I mean, they're an island people, and uh, you know they they. Uh, they love the sea. They, you know, they're drawn to it. They're attra- they're attracted to it. It says, "Oh well, we stumbled, we crept, we fell, we barked our shins on the wreckage. We hauled. The mast stood, but we did not know how much they might be charred down below. It was nearly calm, but a long swell ran from the west and made her roll. They might go any moment. We looked at them with apprehension. One could not foresee which way they would fall. And so, so you can see where." Where you know, even in his youth, they're really put now in a situation where they can't predict what's going to happen. They can't control it, and uh, you know that would that would be a, an unnerving, you know, situation to be in. But but if you go towards the bottom of this page, um, you know, it it uh, all the young guys are finally waking up. They're finally uh, coming around to it. And then he goes on to say, someone had the sense to look over, and there was the helmsman who had impulsively jumped overboard, anxious to come back. So I guess one guy jumped overboard at the explosion. It doesn't seem like he had his hair singed off. So uh, maybe he was a little bit older. I don't know. But he was swimming like a merman, it says. We said, we threw him a rope, and presently he stood amongst us, streaming with water and very crestfallen. The captain had surrendered the wheel, and and apart elbow on rail and chin in hand, gaze at the sea wistfully. We asked ourselves, what next? And so so notice this. I thought, now, this is something like, this is great. I wonder what will happen, oh youth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he comes back, and here's this disaster happening, and what does he think? How exciting. How exciting. <laughs> it's, the, several times he, he, he uses this expression, oh youth, at the time, you know, when he when something like this comes up, you know, it's 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 uh, where where it just it shows how how um, they get excited about about the illusion of, of something happening great, <laughs> even right. even in such a contrast to what's actually happening in yeah. the horrible this horrible state they're in. It's yeah. A contrast. So so that's really uh, that that's really there. So I think that's probably enough on the the uh, uh, delusion. Or the illusions of youth. So let's let's move on to another point. I think uh, I promised the last time that we would talk about the loss of the Judea. So uh, anybody want to start on that one? How does it how do, how does it all transpire? Well, ultimately, the ship ends up sinking, which 
is quite interesting because they've gone through so much with the ship trying to get it sailing even just from uh, England itself to get it on this voyage and they've done so much work just trying to save it and to keep saving it but it all just comes down to basically nothing and the ship sinks they lose their cargo and they're basically left in little lifeboats to fend for themselves yeah yeah that, I, I think there's that what's really interesting I, and uh, Gabe and I have talked about this privately as well is that uh, you know Conrad really did not like to see the steamers come in and I think it's it's interesting uh, you know when the when the Judea when they know it's really going down they really try and save it by a steamer and the steamer starts pulling it and of course when the steamer starts pulling the Judea to kind of get it into into uh, to the port it actually makes the fire worse <laughs> and so so in some ways you know I th- I still think that's Conrad's attack on steamers is they hey they may look helpful but eventually you know they put the Judea in a funeral funeral pyre. So, so uh, it, it's also it's kind of funny that that when the steamer comes up is it, one of the comments that he makes about themselves, and and I, I do think it's it's hilarious is that that uh, when they see the steamer, uh, it, 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 you know they they put up first of all they send up flags to let them know let the steamer know they're on fire, but when they when the, the steamer shows up, it's it's got all of these. Um, well, I guess they're men from the east. You know, they're they're different. They're a different nationality, and they're so happy to see the steamer because all of them went off the ship. They they know it's burning. And it says in a half an hour she was abreast to windward and with hail and rolling slightly with her engines stopped. We lost our composure and yelled all together with excitement. We've been blown up. A man in a white helmet on the bridge cried, Yes, all right, all right. And he nodded his head and smiled and made soothing motions with his hand as though we were a lot of frightened children. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, you know, that can happen with youth as well. It, they were the melee seamen. They were just cool, calm. They were collected to say, Okay, you guys, you know, don't be such babies. You know, we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to pick you up. So, uh, uh, again, um, you know, I, I thought uh, in some ways that that was really kind of a humorous insert there. It says one of the boats dropped in the water, pulled like a swinging stroke, uh, walked towards us upon the sea with her long oars. Uh, that's an image, you know. It reminds me of like a big praying mantis or something, you know, with the oars coming after you. And uh, uh, he he goes on to say, uh, uh, you know, he was really kind of. Um, how would you say about the Malay seamen? He was really kind of offended by them. He said, I thought people had been blown up deserved a lot more attention. Oh, that was really <laughs> funny, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, having raised four daughters and now working with 11 grandchildren, uh, sometimes, you know, I wasn't as maybe uh, uh, as uh, considerate as they thought. But I always to say, you know, toughen up, you know. <laughs> It's going to get better. It'll be better before you're married. I say, I say that all the time, and so they'd all look at me with their eyes. They'd roll their eyes at me, you know. So, but anyway, they they all turned out okay for after that. All right. So so the thing is, um, uh, you know, as the ship goes down, there's danger of another explosion, and uh, the thing that that began to, I think, work on their men again is uh, Beard did not want to abandon ship, and so. 
so then maybe he did get a little crazy. <laughs> so, so uh, seems like I'm doing all the talking here. Anybody else want to want to save me here? Well, that, that's an interesting interesting um, uh, scene because the because Marlo keeps wondering why aren't they coming? You know, they're they're waiting for them and they're having trouble with the the smaller boats. Um, I look, I get the picture that you know the with the waves and everything and he's he's trying to keep the boats from getting in the wrong position and so he's he's waiting and, and he keeps saying things like uh okay we're ready you know where are you <laughs> that kind of thing but and they don't come and so he finally goes on board to see what's going on and what does he find and he finds them having ha- eating food and drinking and having the last <laughs> bit of food last last bit of of drink, you know, <laughs> as the ship goes the ship's down. going down, yes. And meanwhile, there's the the picture of the of the fire in the background. So it's like this this, crypt, this picture of the fire in the background. They're sitting around drinking. It's kind and, of like camping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> it's a real picture. And then and then the captain they put the captain to sleep because he's he's exhausted. So it's just yeah. quite yeah. a picture. Yeah. So I I think that the I'll, I'll you know the readers out there. Um, you, know, you need to really read that that whole section there about this because it, it really it's it's like the Judea is on this funeral pyre and everybody's sitting around having dinner and they're drinking and then but the the skipper's asleep the skipper's sound asleep so that guy is really really having you know his um, uh, he's really having trouble and uh, of course that they considered it their last meal so I guess they didn't they didn't really have faith that they were going to get all the way to Bangkok, you know, so they're having, they're having their, their last meal. But, but how does that all end? And right with that, and I know uh, we're going to have to end this here pretty quickly, but maybe I could just say this, uh, uh, out of all of this, when they get into the boats, what does Marlowe say at the bottom? And, and, and after he sees all of this going on, he finally gets everyone in the boats. He says, and you know what I thought? I thought I would part company as soon as I could. I wanted to have my first command all to myself. You know, so, so here he is. So he's arrogant in his youth. I wasn't going to sail in the squadron if there was a chance for independent cruising. I would make land by myself. I would beat the other boats. Youth, all youth, the silly, charming, beautiful youth. Well, that's all the time we have for today's program. Next time, we'll give some final thoughts on Joseph Conrad's short story, Youth. You can buy youth at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. And you can also probably find a copy in your local bookstore or your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can also follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.